You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made, and let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know, I never take it lightly that God has given you and me another opportunity to worship him in spirit and in truth. Scripture tells us that his mercies are new every morning, uh, that God never gives us leftover mercies. Amen? And his grace is always sufficient. And that in enough in itself uh, is, to, is enough to say thank you, Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. We are excited to be here this morning on this second Sunday of Easter. Easter is such a, a cataclysmic event in, in Christendom. We celebrate it uh, perpetually uh, every Sunday. And so uh, we thank God for giving us this opportunity to worship him today on this uh, Easter, second Sunday of Easter. Amen. On last Sunday, Pastor George did a great, preached a great sermon on the topic, death could not hold him, uh, from the book of Acts. And so in that same vein, I want to, uh, preach from the book of Acts. Uh, Acts is a, a appropriate book to, to preach from, um, as a result of the resurrect, resurrection because, um, Acts is the early church uh, empowered by our risen Lord and Savior. And so today we want to uh, preach from the topic, the courage to be a Christian, the courage to be a Christian. Uh, I would ask you to stand and turn to your pew Bibles on page 887. Acts chapter 4, verses 13 to 22. Acts chapter 4, verses 13 to 22. Let us read together. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized they were uneducated and ordinary men, they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. When they saw the man who had been cured standing beside him, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they ordered them to leave the council while they discussed the matter with one another. They said, what will we do with them? For it is obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We cannot deny it. But to keep it from spreading further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and ordered them not to speak or teach it all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. But we cannot keep from speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them again, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all of them praised God for what had happened. The man on whom the signs healing had been performed more than 40 years old. Amen. This is the word of God. Amen. You may be seated. 
the courage to be a Christian. One writer put it this way. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Let me ask, let me ask that question again. If, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? When I heard that statement, it, it caused me to examine my own life. Uh, that if there was an investigation of my Christian belief system, and if someone had watched me throughout the course of a week, would they find enough evidence to arrest me and to convict me for being a Christian? Uh, that's a humbling thought. And such is the case here in this particular passage of Scripture. Uh, there are two apostles, one named Peter and the other John. And John had, Peter and John had walked with Jesus for three years. They had watched Jesus raise the dead. They had watched Jesus heal many men and women. And now here they are in the book of Acts after having spent three years with Jesus. And now they have an opportunity to live their Christian, Christianity out in tangible ways. So as, as I, as I thought about Peter and John and I began to look at the early church in the first century and the church in the 21st century, I noticed that there was a disconnect. There's a, a chasm there. And that chasm to me shows that there was more courage in the early church than I see of the church in the 21st century. Now, there's another passage of scripture that I think also sheds light on this concept of, of courage, of the courage to be a Christian. And that is 2 Timothy 1 7. 2 Timothy 1 7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid or cowardly, but gives us power, love, and self discipline. And this tells us, brothers and sisters, that this spirit that we have, that God gave us through Jesus Christ, is a spirit of courage. The question comes today, what is courage? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. I think G.K. Chesterton said it well. He said, courage is almost a contradiction in terms. It means a strong desire to live taking the form of a readiness to die. A strong desire to live taking the form of a readiness to die. I would submit to you today that it takes courage to be a Christian. History is replete with men and women who have had the spiritual backbone to stand up and to speak out. It also helped me to understand as we look at Christianity in the 21st century, and particularly in America, that as Americans, we have created a sort of domestic Christianity. That is a 
a Christianity that can only be lived nowhere else but in America. It's a Christianity that subjects itself to conventional society and weds itself to the American dream. It's a Christianity that says when society tells us to sit, we sit. When society tells us to stand, we stand. It's a Christianity that treats our Christian heritage as if it started on earth and not from heaven. In other words, if I read my Bible correctly and if I understand Paul, the Apostle Paul correctly and the Apostles is that we are citizens of heaven first and citizens of earth second. Uh, that we get our cues from heaven and what God says has more bearing on us and on the world and we as Christians are called to march to the beat of a divine drummer and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This passage arrested my attention and helped me to understand that uh, that there as Christians, we're, we're called to live with this tension of our dual citizenship. Certainly, we, we want to be law-abiding citizens, but when that law diametrically opposes what God has said in his word, then that's when we find ourselves like Peter and John, when Peter says, should we obey man rather than God? So let's look at this passage of Scripture because what I, what I notice in this passage is that this courage that we have as a result of the Holy Spirit is threefold. First of all, the courage that we have is from the Holy Spirit. It, it, it's from the Holy Spirit. Now, when we, when we remember Paul, Peter and John and the early apostles, uh, scripture tells us in John that after Jesus had died on the cross that that the disciples were in the upper room and they were locked behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. It tells us that they felt like if the Sanhedrin and Roman government killed Jesus, then the next people that they go after would be the disciples and Peter and James and John and the rest of the disciples. And so there they were behind closed doors for fear of the Jews. But something cataclysmic happened on the day of Pentecost. Uh, something powerful happened uh, that they were no longer fearful of the Jews. That they came from behind the closed doors. And they be began to proclaim the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Peter uh, was the one who Jesus had chosen to to preach that first sermon. And here you have a group of men with outrageous courage to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think that's something to learn here because Peter, we know Peter. Peter was the one who had denied Jesus three times. And here Peter is in this text speaking up for Jesus. Now the context is clear. If you read chapter 4, you find that Peter and John were walking and they came across a man who 
had been crippled for 40 years, and there he was at the gate called Beautiful. And there this man asked Peter for some money, for some help. Peter looks at this man and says, Silver and gold have I not, but such as I have, give I unto thee. Peter stretches out his hands and heals this man. And this man becomes evidence of the healing power of Jesus Christ. Peter and John are arrested for doing a good deed. They are arrested for for doing something Jesus would have done. They got in trouble for what they had done. But the courage, it says here in verse 13, it says, now when they saw the boldness, this word could also be translated courage. As a matter of fact, this word is a word that is used about five times in the book of Acts, and it's it's a use of speech that conceals nothing and passes over nothing. It's outspokenness, it's frankness, it's plainness, it's being confident in you, in who you are, and it's obvious that Peter and John are are comfortable in their own spiritual skin, that they have the audacity to say what they wouldn't have normally been able to say before the day of Pentecost. That they have the power to do what they wouldn't normally be able to do before the day of Pentecost. That they have the the power to go some places where they wouldn't normally have the courage to go, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit, they have the power to do so. And the reason I think they have the power to do so is because Not only was the spirit resident in their lives, but the spirit was president over their lives. See, it's one thing to have the spirit in your life where the spirit is is relegated to a particular room in your life. But when the spirit is president over your life, he has access to every cabinet, every closet, every room in your life. And the Holy Spirit is able to do some things in you that he wouldn't normally be able to do if you had left them closed up in another door. But here, Peter is at his best that day. You know, one writer put it this way, prior to Peter, prior to Peter, uh, before the day of Pentecost, Peter used to stick his foot in his mouth so much he should have been wearing peppermint socks. Amen, somebody. (laughs) But here, Peter doesn't get his words mixed up. He speaks with courage and tenacity, and he speaks with spiritual backbone. You know, I like what Anne Lamott said. She said that courage is fear that has said its prayers. That when we are prayed up, when we are prayed up, when we bathe things in prayer, that we have the courage to, to confront, we have the courage to speak out, we have the courage to stand up. When we have said our prayers, we have a courage that is compared to none. 
Dr. King said the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in the moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. We live in challenging times right now. We live in times where there's much controversy. And if there's anybody, any people that should be able to speak to the challenging times that we live in, it should be Christians. Because as Christians, we realize that we are human first and white second. That we realize that we are human first and black second. We realize that we are human first and Republican second. We realize that we are human first and Democrat second. We, we realize that God died for humans. And not for any political party, not for any ideology, that God died for humanity. And it takes courage to live that out. It takes courage to, to say that. It takes courage to say what no one else is willing to say. But not only that, this courage that we have stems from the spiritual fact that God is in us. Stems from the spiritual fact that God is in us. In other words, God's DNA is in us. I think that's what John had in mind in First John. He says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. John says, that God's DNA is in us. And if God's DNA is in us, he's much more than God. He's our father. And if he's our father, then there should be something within us, within our behavior, within our actions, within our character that reminds somebody that we are children of the most high God. And it also reminds us of the bigness of God. That when we realize how big God is, as Paul said, that God is able to do exceedingly above and beyond all that we could ever ask or even think, then we got to live in the presence of the bigness of God. One writer put it this way, as long as we're with God, we are the majority. (laughs) You may be the only Christian on your job, but if you're with God, you're the majority. You may be the only Christian in your home, but if you're with God, you're the majority. You may be the only Christian in your classroom, but if you're with God, you are the majority. You may be the only Christian in your neighborhood, but if you're with God, you are the majority. And so you can walk and talk with courage because God is on your side. And this is what we see in Peter and John's behavior, the the, the phrase that I love here in verse 13, it says that the Sanhedrin realized that they were uneducated, ordinary men. They were amazed and recognized them as companions with Jesus. Now, the NIV says, I love the way the NIV put it, it says that they recognized that they had been with Jesus. What a beautiful expression that someone 
your, your enemies recognize that you had been with Jesus. Which tells me that this Sanhedrin group, this, this Sanhedrin that was composed of Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, lawyers of the day, that they had watched Jesus over three years. They had interacted with Jesus on the dusty roads of Jerusalem. And this is the same group that brought Jesus before themselves. And they recognized the confidence of Jesus. They recognized the courage of Jesus. They, they recognized that Jesus had a peace and a resolve and an aura about him that emanated with confidence. They recognize that. And so when Peter and John stands before the Sanhedrin, they notice that same character. They notice that same peace. They notice that same composure and wisdom and resolve in them. They, they recognize that these men had been with Jesus. What a beautiful expression. To be recognized as someone who had been with Jesus. Because it's being with Jesus that gives us the courage to stand before men and women who may look bigger than us. It's being with Jesus that Jesus rubs off on us in such a way that we begin to walk like him and talk like him and interact with the world like he did. What a beautiful expression. I, I, I want it to be said, I don't know about you, but I, I want it to be said that about somebody that we recognize, Aaron, that you have been with Jesus. I, I, I want it to be said that somebody said, I, I, I recognize a peace and a resolve in you. You must have spent some time with Jesus this morning. One writer put it this way, that it's much more important to talk to God about men than to talk to men about God. Because when we talk to God about men, God gives us the power to talk to men about God. He gives us the courage to, to say what we wouldn't normally be able to say. Have you ever been in a situation where God told you to say something and you bit your tongue? And then you look back at it and you say, you know what? I should have said that. I should have said something. God wants us to speak up and to speak out when the spirit of God comes upon us to say something. Then we must say it and let the chips fall where they may. That's what courage is. Courage recognizes the bigness of God. It recognizes that God's DNA is in us and that God is our father. But also, this courage that we have, this courage that we have, brothers and sisters, is motivated by love. Remember what Paul said to Timothy, that God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but he gave us a spirit of power and of love and self-discipline. That this courage that we have has a love first and foremost for God, but a love for humanity. 
that this courage that we have, God wants us to walk out in tangible ways, as Tony Evans put it, that we got to live like a horizontal Jesus. And this is where we find ourselves in the 21st century, that we've got to live it out, we've got to walk it out. Because remember, remember Peter. You know, I hate to pick on Peter, but he's a, he's a likely subject. Remember uh, Peter when he denied Jesus three times and Jesus, after the resurrection, makes a cameo appearance and he shows up on the shore and it says Peter is out fishing with the other disciples and Jesus is cooking a fish dinner, broil fish that is. And Peter notices when Jesus says, come eat, Peter is the first one that says, it's Jesus. He gets out of the boat and he runs toward Jesus. Jesus feeds them. And there's a quiet setting there on the seashore. And Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Jesus is in the process of restoring Peter. He's broken at this point. He is he has let his savior down and he's, he's a broken man. And Peter says to Jesus, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus said, tend to my sheep. Then Peter, Jesus asked Peter again, Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter gets a little upset after a while. He's quick tempered. He said, yes, Lord, I, I love you. And then Jesus says, Feed my sheep. And then Jesus asked Peter one more time. Now this is where Peter gets ticked off. He said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord. Why you keep asking me that question? You know I love you. He says, feed my sheep. As I thought about that lesson, and I began to recognize the character of Peter, that Peter was a fighter. And in the three-year journey with Jesus, Jesus was trying to turn Peter into a lover of people rather than a fighter of people. In order for Peter to be used to the magnitude where God wanted to use him, he had to get the fight out of Peter and make him a lover of his people. The question comes today, what is God trying to get out of you? Is he trying to get the fighter out of you? Is he trying to get the timidity out of you? What, what is God trying to get out of you so that he can use you for his greater good and his greater glory? We've got to understand today that courage, this courage that we have is motivated by our love. Our love for God and our love for humanity. Yes, Peter recognized that courage is fear that has said his prayers. Peter recognized the fact that when the spirit is president over our lives and not just resident in our lives, then we have an unstoppable courage. Peter recognized, as one writer put it, Robert Louis Stevenson said, 
The world has no room for cowards. We must all be ready somehow to toil, to suffer, to die. And yours is not the less notable because no drum beats before you when you go out into your daily battlefields. And no crowds shout your coming when you return from your daily victory. Robert Louis Stevenson reminds us that the church is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. And every Sunday when we come to the church, we come to muster up enough courage to go out into our daily battlefields in society and let a world know that we serve a risen Lord, that we serve a risen Savior. Every day we go out into our daily battlefields and we let the world know that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. There was a story told about a Catholic priest who lived in Memphis. And the Catholic priest wanted to march with Dr. King about the sanitation workers in Memphis. Catholic priest took the cross that was on the communion table that was between two candlesticks. And he took the golden cross and he said, I'm going to march with this cross on the streets of Memphis. Well, there was a, a member of the Catholic Church who told him, because she had bought that cross for the church, and she told him, put that cross back on that communion table between those two candles. The Catholic priest says, I'm going to take this cross to the streets because Jesus did not die between two candlesticks. He died between two thieves. And he said to that woman, he said, if we don't take the cross to the streets, the streets will come into the church. And brothers and sisters, we must have the courage to take the cross to the streets. We must have the courage to take the cross to our jobs. We must have the courage to, to take the cross. Jesus says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that in these challenging times, in these controversial times, that we will have the courage to be a Christian. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this courage that we have as a result of our resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we realize and live with the conviction and confidence that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. May we recognize the bigness of God, that as long as we're with God, we are the majority. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. 
To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.